I went at your bidding and passed along their thoroughfares of trade. I ascended their mountains and went down their valleys. I visited their manufacturers, their commercial markets, and emporiums of trade. I entered their judicial courts and legislative halls, but I sought everywhere in vain for the secret of their success. That is, until I entered the church. It was there as I listened to the soul-equalizing and soul-elevating principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as they fell from Sabbath to Sabbath upon the masses of the people, that I learned why America was great and free and why France was a slave. Alexis de Tocqueville, French historian, reporting to the French Senate in 1800. This is the Chris Hebe Podcast. Chris is an experienced communicator who has spent over 20 years sharing the Jewish foundations of the gospel. Chris has worked with a variety of organizations, such as Good News for Israel and Chosen People Ministries, to further the story of Jesus among all people groups. Chris is accompanied on this podcast by his producer, Larry Kutzler, as they uncover the truth about the issues the church faces in our day. Well, Chris, you're in today, and you sound like a historian for some reason. I don't know, but you're talking about America, and you're talking about the old Roman Empire. You're bringing those two together and making them sound as if they're one. What is up? Well, Larry, to me, the old Roman Empire is alive and well, and it's called America. And uh, I just, uh, I, I, yes, I am a historian. I was born in Europe. As a matter of fact, if I would have been born 500 years before I was, I would have been in the Holy Roman Empire. I'm always so conscious of America's European roots. And yes, so much of our roots came out of England, but it's, it's really I- Italian or Roman. Here's an example, America. Who, who is America named after? How about the Italian historian Amerigo Vespucci? So just to start us off, right? Did he invent pizza? No, he should have, but uh, no, this was way before I think pizza was a big deal. But you know what, Larry? We share so many things in common with the old Roman Empire. We, We stole their alphabet. I mean, granted, the Latin alphabet was only 23 letters, but it's identical except for three letters. We use their dead language all the time in medicine and in law. We use the Pledge of Allegiance to the Republic. We modeled our Senate after their Senate. Their symbol was the Roman eagle. Ours is the bald eagle. We took their calendar, which was full of their gods and their rulers. You know, June and July is Julius Caesar, and uh, August is Caesar Augustus. We took their architecture. Uh, the, the great Palladio is their favorite architect. We've stolen the part of their entertainment world. They were really into gladiator stuff with a lot of killing. Now, some people say we have their religion, and that's true in the sense that once Christianity did become their religion, but that was like 700 years into the story of the Roman Empire, and it's really a Jewish religion. And last but not least, Larry, we have their motto. Since 1776, we have their Latin motto, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. Well, I guess you've made your case that uh, we're very similar to the Roman Empire in the uh, cultural case, that is. What about politically? We uh, copied it. I mean, we don't have a Caesar. We have a president. And unlike the Senate, the, the Roman Senate used to vote 
people into power per se. They didn't give it to the uh, just the general people, but they loved to make fun of their leaders. They had a lot of open satire in their plays. They mocked their leaders mercilessly. They destroyed their leaders, eventually physically. They would just kill them if they found them to be reprehensible. So uh, we are real similar. We only use talk shows to destroy people, you know, the political ones. But, you know, Larry, we are so, we're like hand in glove. So if we're hand in glove in culture and politically, are we hand in glove in the demise of the empires and while well, we wouldn't call ourselves an empire our country but are we close to the demise of how the roman empire was destroyed i definitely think so and by the way outside of america and you know i'm i've traveled plenty like you and we we are considered an empire we are by far the most influential empire in history and before us it was the roman empire which was by far the most influential you know there's this really famous saying by a, a philosopher uh, George Santiana, and he once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I think uh, we are well down that road of destruction. And I look at the moral decay. You and I were talking about the internal things. Uh, We're a very prideful and arrogant nation. We seem to be repeating all the things that Rome did. Now, I do want to say something good about America. We've also been the greatest cause for good in world history. No doubt about it. But I lay that credit to our faith, our Christian faith. And we were founded, the difference between us and the Romans were, we were founded on the New Testament and and the testimony of Jesus Christ. They were not founded on that. And that is where we have this a great difference. Having said that, they were the most dominant power of their time. We are by far the most dominant power of our time. Really similar in size and scope. They had all of Central and Southern Europe, all of North Africa, and all the Mediterranean. It's almost identical if you were to lay a map out over those areas. They were very open. They were willing to absorb all the lifestyles and gods of everyone else and grant citizenship to everyone from around the world. In our melting pot, we actually melted into one language. But as you can see, we're having a war about that, right? Well, I mean, we are now, absolutely. But And I think this is where we are also very similar to Rome at the end. We are in the midst of a culture war. Now, in this case, it isn't exactly the same as Rome was, but we are really in a culture war of the Judeo-Christian values and foundation versus whatever came lately or uh, endorsing everything. There's no absolutes. I'm okay, you're okay. Well, that's not going to fly. And it's interesting, Christianity eventually undermined the Roman political and religious system. It did. And of course, Rome got indirectly saved, but it was the collapse of their empire. So would you say that Christianity, at least in the Roman Empire, was counter-cultural? Oh, absolutely. They, they didn't believe in, in murder for entertainment. Uh, they didn't believe in abortion, which they also considered murder. They believed that you were supposed to be with one man and one woman. Roman culture, like Greek culture, was very bisexual. Homosexuality, bisexuality, those were all more than acceptable. There was no uh, looking down upon it whatsoever. So in 
America today, our churches, most for the most part, Christianity, is not countercultural. I mean, the culture war is being won by, say, the culture and not the church. Correct or not? I think so. I, I think that the church has almost zero impact upon our culture, and that is the exact reason that America is imploding morally, ethically, etc. So the question is, is Christianity countercultural? I, I got to just simply say, yes, it's been countercultural from the beginning. This is why uh, people were martyred. This is why people were burned at the stake. This is why uh, it happened in such a way that the gospel or the culture or the ethos of Christianity uh, was so different than what was originally there, it was threatening in a sense. So yes, Christianity is still a strong minority. I want to say, you know, we're somewhere in the 30, 35, 40 percentile. So we can kind of hold our own on some level politically, culturally, but we are passe. If you flick on a television and you spend any amount of time on that TV, we're not even mentioned. We're not even a part of the culture. All the culture is uh, running itself and everybody gets to make up their own rules. And at best, were mocked and made fun of. So let me follow up on that question. If you were going to ask pastors today, if Christianity is countercultural, what do you think they would say? Because most pulpits, in my opinion, seem to be giving way to the culture, not coming against it. Well, they're trying to make peace with the culture. They're trying to get along with the culture. And that is not the message at all that the Apostle Paul preached. Now, Jesus had a slightly different problem. He was trying to separate uh, the Judaisms of their time with embracing him as the kind of uh, secretive Messiah, that, that there's something greater than the law, greater than the Torah, and we are not to look to the rabbis anymore, but the ultimate rabbi or rabboni, and that was Jesus Christ. Paul had to go into these pagan cultures throughout Asia Minor. All the seven churches are in Turkey, Asia Minor. And, and the Greek culture, boy, when he went to Athens, which was the capital of philosophy and wisdom. These guys sat around all day in bathrobes or togas or whatever they were and philosophized on the world. Now, the big issue that they took up was the issue of life and death, which was very important. And they had to come up with a philosophy to deal with that. Of course, Paul went there. He went to Athens. Uh, he went to the Parthenon and he debated these guys. And they mainly called him a babbler. Or they said, you know, we, we're not interested in your absurd belief of some guy resurrecting from the dead. So Paul had his work cut out for him. I mean, when I look at it, I can't believe that he survived, he thrived, and he got the message through and totally changed the world. Well, actually, when we come back to the idea that Rome collapsed, and it collapse from internal things, right? Their policies, their rules and laws, etc., etc., or their openness to all religions and languages. We find America in that same place. Rome never recovered. It exported some things. Christianity did recover, or it, it went on to have a life of its own, but Rome never did. They never did. As a matter of fact, they were taken over. But, you know, they had so much internal strife, political internal strife. There was a small percentage of uh, what you would call the elites 
and they wanted to run Rome for their benefit, you know. And, uh, of course, the 95% of the other Romans, and half of those were slaves, said, hey, we want a part of the pie. You guys can't live on top of the pile and live on top of us. Internal strife, what do you call that, a civil war, a civil cultural war, it imploded. There was scandal after scandal after scandal. Rome didn't fall in a day. But over the course of more than a hundred years, it slowly decayed and was unable to defend its empire. It did not crumble because of one reason, but rather a combination of reasons that took a toll on the empire's military strength and its economy over a long period of time. Larry, that's like our news today. It is. And some people who teach on prophecy, Chris, will say that America just isn't mentioned in the prophetic scriptures of the Bible. And maybe they have a case. I don't know. But the, if their case is true, then, then we have gone down that same road as Rome and we need never did recover as a country or as an influence in the world. Oh, that is so true. I mean, I think we peaked somewhere in the 60s, maybe 70s. President Reagan was uh, the first, I want to say, Bible thumper that went back in who said, look at America's best days are ahead of us. But he implied that we'd have to radically embrace the the faith of our founders, which was conservative, fundamentalist Christianity. Yes, there was some deists. Jefferson, uh, Franklin were deists, absolutely. But we were founded on the truth of the scripture, the, the truth of the gospel. So we had a foundation which I feel has been more or less rejected today by the elites, by the counterculture. So we're basically treading water and I don't see us being able to survive this, Larry. I just think that we're, we've gone too far. You know, in the world of physical exercise, most people who are in that field will say you have to have a good physical core. That's the basis for which all the muscles and everything come out of, okay? And if that core is weak, everything else that you try to exercise will also be weak. So they always talk about the core as being the the greatest area that you have to exercise. And so America has a weak core, just like Rome had a weak core, and from that weak core came the deterioration and the destruction. So as you assess America today, Chris, what is our core like? Why is our core so weak that we are faltering on every aspect of life? You know, Larry, do you mind? I'm going to back up a couple hundred years. There's a very famous writer, French writer, lawyer, political science guy. His name was Alexis de Tocqueville. Oh, sure. And he wrote, uh, he visited, he was on an assignment from the French government to visit America. Why was America so unbelievably great, powerful, influential? I mean, we're talking about, we were a, a relative baby nation. We were 40, 50 years old. And he said, I went all over the country. I visited their great forests, all the natural resources they had had, but it wasn't there. I visited their political institutions, and as great as they were, it wasn't there. I I did this, I did that, but he said, it wasn't until I visited their churches that I found out what their core was, what their power base was. He said their pulpits were on fire with the truths of the Bible, the truth of God, and that that 
is what made America so great. He said they couldn't separate a biblical truth and liberty. To them, it was one and the same. You couldn't have one without the other. Well, that's not the case at all. I mean, those clergy were willing to risk being jailed. Uh, they were willing to be risk being mocked, and it didn't happen. I mean, the clergy, you could make a case, were the driving force to stop the Civil War, to uh, push America forward and all their wars that they had with the British, with the French, whatever. It came from the pulpits, and the presidents well, would uh, repeat and basically use that playbook to push us ahead. That was the game plan. The Bible was their playbook. That's not true anymore. There was a time when the Christian church in America led out in the defense of liberty. The 18th century church was, for all practical purposes, the center of American society. Now this placed the pastors of that period in a unique position of influence. What they believed and what they preached had a significant impact on the people around them. Every Sunday, they preached these principles in their congregations wearing their black robes. And when the time came, many of those pastors led the men of those congregations off to fight for and some to die for those very principles. Men the British called the Black Robed Regiment. Yes, President Trump is trying to go back to the past, and he's doing a really good job at reminding us of where we came from. But he's got an unbelievable uphill battle. And you know what? The Congress and Senate fight him every, every way, tooth and nail. He is a very flawed individual, but that's who God has in place right now. But I think most of America does not embrace his uh, concept of culture and we can see that, what is it, 80-some percent believe that there's no issue with gay marriage, gay clergy, all those kinds of things that are anathema in the Bible. Sometimes when people will always say, as you just did, that President Trump is a flawed individual, I sort of smirk a little bit. And the reason why is because every great biblical character was flawed except for Jesus. I think of David, and David was like a Trump in a way, in the sense that he had moral failure. And yet God, because of his heart, which, which was in pursuit of God, God gave him grace, as he is giving our president today. So at the end of the day here, Chris, what do you want our audience to take away from your conversation? I definitely believe repentance starts in your own heart. Every day I wake up and realize what a privilege it is to live in this Judeo-Christian nation, even though I see it on a tremendous decline, I still have hope and I still push that the gospel is the only hope. Uh, returning to our biblical roots and faith is the only chance this nation has to get back to its greatness. I don't believe that's going to happen. I, I, I can't think of almost anyone except for maybe uh, uh, Ann Graham Lotz and Franklin Graham that actually preached kind of this, uh, this judgmental. I'm sorry, the Bible is very judgmental. We don't like to hear those things, what we should be doing, etc. So I think people need to do the best they can in their family, friends, their co-workers, and return to the scriptures to the best of their ability. And I don't know, that's a very hard task to do because it's countercultural. 
Well, if somebody is saying amen out there to what you're just saying, but they're in a church that doesn't abide by this, I mean, it could be a a very PC-oriented pulpit. What would you suggest to those? Well, I would uh, definitely see if they have a decent Bible study, adult Bible study, and see if they could influence that Bible study. You know, I could be wrong, but I, of course, I visited a lot of churches during the year. A lot of churches now are really social clubs. I think most churches are cultural Christianity. They go with the flow. They try to make no waves. They try to get along with everybody. They try to judge nothing. Well, it doesn't work like that in reality from God's standpoint. God is is, is graceful. He's loving, but he's also very righteous, holy, and justice-minded. Chris, as we've been hearing you say today that the Bible is very judgmental, and it's very countercultural. And we are not finding either one of those in many of the nation's churches. And when we're not allowing the Word of God to to be the truth that guides our lives, we will end up in allowing the culture to win the war. How do we pray against such things? You know, you could basically spend your life on your knees. It's, It's that critical today. I, I think if you can, and remember, this is going to be a lot of work, spiritual uh, heavy lifting. Yes, there's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of repentance. There's a lot of engaging leadership and elders potentially in your church if you go to church. Uh, I buy large quantities of uh, of influential books or DVDs or whatever, and I hand them out to people. I try to influence people to the best of my ability. Yes, I'm an evangelist. I'm uh, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a Paul Revere in that way. I am trying to light a fire underneath people, and it's very difficult because you know most Christians are part-time Christians. You know, they're Christians on Sunday or or whatever, and it doesn't work like that. The bottom line is we're in big trouble as a nation. God loves us. He cares for us. I think he's very saddened by what's happened. We're very similar to the nation of Israel. We decided to seek after all the different idols, primarily materialism, and only returning to God could we possibly hope to change the direction of this nation, our community. We need to pray to Jesus to save us. Abba Father, we praise and thank you for the privilege of of loving us, for sending your son to the cross to save the world. Your cross, your son's death changed everything. It changed the entire world. It it started on the the Roman roads. It went through Asia and Africa, and it made all its way to Rome, which was the epicenter of culture and power of its time. And it took a couple hundred years, but it changed everything. Eventually, it made its way to America, and America changed everything. God has used us in a tremendous way to be a light to the nations. Well, we're also now in tremendous decline, and we're uh, exporting a lot of things in this from this nation that are terrible. They're anti-biblical, anti-scriptural. So, Lord, have mercy upon this nation. Have mercy upon us. Teach us to have a fire in our belly for you and for your, your scripture, your gospel. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. American history has been formed because of the power of the pulpit. Regrettably, the church has become filled with more pansies than it has patriots. The church has been afraid to speak out. 
For more information about Chris Heeb and his availability to speak to your church or gathering, please contact us at chrisheeb.org.